0: Beyond and hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Dornbusch and this is Podcast Beyond episode 644 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show. I'm joined this week by Brian Altano. Hi, how are you? Doing pretty well, Lucy O'Brien. Hello. And Max Scoville. Howdy. The whole cast is here and we have so much to talk about. We're going to spend about 45 minutes or so. Uh, addressing the Hamilton Disney Plus launch in July. I think that is the biggest topic we have really to discuss in the world of PlayStation. No, we actually have quite a bit of PlayStation related news, even though again, Sony itself hasn't been saying much about the PS5, uh, so we have a lot. So I don't want to waste too much time, but I do want to say, if you haven't already, please do check out store.ign.com and check out the elderly Irish woman shirt if you haven't bought one and are interested in one already. Uh, and there are more colors for the shirt coming on the way. I've been told. So if you don't want just a white shirt, there may be some other color options to come soon. But without that breaking news getting in the way any longer, let's get to the first bit of PlayStation related news, which is that PlayStation unveiled this new PlayStation Productions um naming and logo treatment for its worldwide studios. Uh this was revealed by gamesindustry.biz and uh along with it came this sort of stinger that is a the four PlayStation uh face buttons the triangle circle uh cross and square um looking all flashy and cool, like an IMAX logo with some famous PlayStation characters in it. Um, this, it looks like the MCU opening, right? Like, this is just very clearly copying Marvel's homework.
1: I'm well, and you. also N- Nintendo's homework as well. I mean, Nintendo has been doing this kind of thing for years, right? There's the whole seal of quality thing. I mean, I, I see this more as like a marketing play than anything else. I mean, it is just a duster marketing play. It's just like a, a clever way for Sony to tie in all its properties, all its big, like, Flagship franchises under one premium content banner. I think it makes a lot of sense, but I don't think you know. I don't think it's anything really more than than a, a cool marketing thing, a
0: branding yeah, thing.
2: I, I think it's also sort of like a nice reminder that they have this sort of bench of iconic characters and are really like cool franchises and mascots and you know recognizable uh faces that has been have been sort of synonymous with awesome video games for a very long time and i think it's sort of this like kind of reminder to be like hey i know everyone's talking about next gen and they're talking about specs and stuff like that but like look at these friends remember them they're <laughs> they're gonna be back you like those guys and i'm like yeah i love those guys and they're like well they're they're coming they're coming home once more which i dig i like that
3: yeah i mean it's it's it, it is exactly marketing. Um, It it is. I think it's a very um, sort of forward-facing, like user-friendly label to throw on things. Because previously we'd sort of see like, you know, like S S C E A, like Worldwide Entertainment. Like, there'd there'd always be that sort of that fine white text at the beginning of a Sony game, and it's it's great, but it doesn't exactly scream like. It might as well be copyright info. You know, it's very like very clinical, and this is much more much more sizzly. um, You know, and it 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 does look like the Marvel logo turning into the Xbox Game Studios logo. So, you know but it it it's pretty self-explanatory what it is too so
0: yeah it, it's funny i had completely forgotten that uh microsoft had released their own version of this last year um someone tweeted it at me and i completely forgot that was a the thing they did but at least on the sony side of it they said this is very much um one of the interesting points that uh what is the name i don't want to get it wrong eric lempel from sony who gave the interview to games industry brought up was that like for a lot of people out there who like have played uncharted or have played a spider-man but aren't like us or aren't consuming games media every every day they don't know that all of these games are under the playstation first party umbrella and this is a nice way to kind of connect all those dots for people yeah it's it's smart
3: because we used to get like you know only on playstation or like you know there'd be that sort of banner on the top of the 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 box which is a, a dwindling concept as far as packaging goes um but yeah to have something that really is just like hey only on this like here's this here's this logo that goes with it it's not just like oh, this is a third-party exclusive that's only on here, except it's also on PC, but you can play it here first or whatever, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah I will say it's sort of evocative of the advertising the campaign they ran around the middle of the generation where they basically had Nathan Drake and a bunch of other characters all just kind of hanging out in a in like a sort of Nordic jacuzzi. dive bar. <laughs> yeah, it was like a jacuzzi. <laughs> um, and that was another sort of thing to sort of be like, oh yeah, uh, here's a reminder that like these characters have been doing their thing for a very long time. And, you know, like... That's something that the MCU can do uh, because they're reaching on decades of iconic characters. Um, but I love I love Xbox and I love I love like what Microsoft has been doing with their game studios. But I don't think this is something that they can do to that extent. You know, like uh, there's their their biggest sort of uh, hits over the last few years outside of this stuff like Halo and Gears of War is Forza, which is you know a car, um, and then you have Ori, who I think is like a cat maybe right and i love those games but um yeah you have that and you also have uh, obviously like crackdown was another big one sea of thieves which is like you know a a first person game where you're 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 kind of customizing your own character so like i i think that like sony and nintendo are two of the companies that can really go like here's our iconic characters here's like when you see these when you see kratos when you see nathan drake uh even Parappa, who they you know they did dirty and didn't put in this trailer, um, <laughs> you're reminded that you know these these are these are important, and you've grown up with them, and you want to continue to. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Forza but- really missed the boat on not having an anthropomorphic car. Uh, I agree. Oh, like a Cars kind of
1: car. Like yeah, they exactly. Like, it slowly introduced that.
0: Yeah, that was just like in Horizon 3, Forza Horizon 3, they put in that talking car. Um, <laughs> but, you yeah, know, I did think, uh, speaking It's to-
1: unnerving teeth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, God. Um, then there'd be a whole campaign to get rid of the teeth. It'd be this whole thing. Um, Brian, I do like what you say, though, about, you know, how Parappa isn't in this. I, I thought it was interesting that they did include Ratchet & Clank, um, probably most notably of like older generations in addition mm-hmm. to Sackboy, because Ratchet did have a life on PS4, but has been kind of absent for a while. And of course, Insomniac is now first party, but their biggest game, which is the biggest first party title of all time, basically, Spider-Man, isn't there, I assume due to licensing. Yeah.
3: That's that's yeah. kind of their Forza in that, you know, the car from Forza also belongs to, you know, Porsche or McLaren <laughs> or whatever. You know, it's an existing character of some other universe.
1: Not if you put teeth on it
3: that's so give spider-man some teeth and it's enough of a difference it's transformative it's fair use i mean
2: you guys you you mentioned these sort of like mcu uh i don't know sort of like intro sizzle trailer that runs before all these movies what's sort of interesting about all this uh, in relation to that is that sony announced the name of their sort of mcu recently which i don't think anyone remembers because it doesn't really roll off the tongue it was like the Sony... Do you, do you remember, John? Oh,
0: the, the Spider-Man. Yeah, it's like Sony's universe oh. of Marvel characters or something like that. Right. Yeah, it's right. very and, clunky. It's
2: yeah, and so young. Spider-Man's technically there. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so uh, I guess the, I appreciate that this is a little snappier. The logo's a little bit better. It's a little more sort of identifiable. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's very odd because, it, you know, Spider-Man and Spider-Man, the video game character is exclusive to PlayStation, uh, but his likeness rights fall into so many different departments when it comes to pretty much anything
3: else. The other thing we're not addressing here is that this is, I feel like this is also on the tail of sort of the global restructuring that Sony's been doing the past, past few years, um, with sort of Herman Hulse taking over as the, as the, you know, global overseer of the various studios and and whatnot. Um, And this feels like it's kind of it's getting on top of that because for so long there was, you know, there was Sony North America and Sony Japan and, and, you know, Sony Europe. And it's now they're, they're sort of looking at it more as like this is one, you know, cohesive ecosystem.
0: Right. Yeah, it feels like that globalization move that we heard about a little last year. This feels like a forward facing version of that because mm-hmm. um, they they talked about that the idea for this is that it it is a malleable thing. So it's not just going to be this one 17 second clip every time there will be shorter versions. They could do franchise specific ones behind certain games. So like, let's say if there's ever another Uncharted, they could do just an Uncharted version of this. Like they have the capacity to make this more emblematic of Sony as a whole rather than getting into the sort of the branches we used to have of Sony. Um, but yeah, it's it's good to see that globalization continue again. As we said, this is definitely a like marketing move thing. And they even mentioned like this is still enough in production that it is something that won't be part of The Last of Us Part 2, Horizon Zero Dawn's PC release or Ghost of Tsushima this summer. So this is clearly something that is meant to kind of launch with the PS5 as we go forward.
2: So we got some news then, right? We something?
0: got... Anything? News that we're going to get news about a PS4 game, but not a PS5 game. Uh, I do want to bring up, because this does come out beforehand, Uh, we aren't obviously talking about the Ghost of Tsushima State of Play, which was announced earlier this week. Uh, That's on Thursday. We are going to cover it after it happened, so don't worry, we'll have commentary on it, but we didn't want to uh, prevent the rest of everything we have to talk about, because there's so much to actually discuss this week. I uh, didn't want to prevent that from coming out as another episode. So we'll, we'll talk about Ghost when they reveal that, but we are getting a full 18 minute, singularly focused state of play, the first state of play of the year on Ghost of Tsushima, which I am very excited for.
1: Yeah, no, it's great, it's so exciting. I wonder what, um, how much of this was originally planned for E3. Um. But oh wait, no. Of course, Sony mm-hmm. is never at E3. Uh, what am I talking uh, about? What am I talking about?
0: They're counter programming to E3. Counter
1: programming to yeah. E3. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. It's really exciting, and it's it's good to see state playback.
0: Yes. In yeah, a second. It's def- Yeah, it's uh, almost six months since the last one. So nice to have it back. Uh, But I do want to get to stuff we can talk about that has been shown as of the time of this episode going up, which is the first look at Unreal Engine 5, which is showing a game running on PlayStation 5. So this is a new tech demo that Epic Games, of course, the makers of the Unreal Engine and a little game called Fortnite, uh, put out this tech demo. It is not of a game that is actually being made. Um, IGN's Matt Kim spoke to Tim Sweeney for from Epic and a few other members of that team and basically was told this isn't a game that's in development but this was a tech demo that was made is fully playable and was meant to originally be playable at GDC had that actually happened so this is a real demo uh if you haven't seen it please go check it out online because it's gorgeous it's about seven or so minutes long um it's a demo of a woman in a sort of desert region with uh, crumbled architecture around her essentially going through a few key areas that are meant to show off all the capabilities of Unreal Engine. Um, and so I wanted to basically just get a sort of like surface level, what did you guys think of what you saw in this demo? Because obviously we are not developers, so we don't know that every little bit that this is meant to benefit developers on. But obviously there is a lot that is just beautiful and astounding about this demo.
2: No, I think you nailed it. I mean, we're not developers, and that's what made this all the more impressive to me. Uh, This is the kind of stuff I was missing in the Mark Cerny presentation, which was for developers, but could have done a little bit of sort of like, hey, by the way, this is what happens when a million triangles come together to make a rock. that sounds more boring than it actually is. Uh, cause this video is stunning and I've been on this show repeatedly saying like, you know, we don't need next gen yet. And, you know, I'm perfectly fine with the stuff we have. And then I saw this and I was like, all right, bring it on. I'm in, <laughs> uh, this is, this is one of the most gorgeous. It's, it's, it's basically like a, it's sort of like a, like a, like a knockoff Tomb Raider, I would say, you know, it's, it's got like a little sort of like dungeon-y puzzly exploration stuff. But um, watching the lighting and the the texture work and the rock surfaces and the modeling is just phenomenal, just utterly stunning stuff.
1: Yeah, I think that you know, we've we've heard about next gen for so long in a kind of really dry anecdotal way. Um, even like the recent Xbox uh, little prezzo that they did, um, you, you still didn't really get a, a solid grasp of what next gen is going to look like. There was a lot of cinematics used in that, in that particular presentation. Um, this is the kind of one of the first instances of, of, of seeing next gen in action. And, and, and honestly, it is just like the rocks and the lighting are just such a step up. You know what yeah. I mean? it's it' it's, it's it sounds stupid saying it like that, but it's just you can immediately see the difference and just being able to see that that lighting in action and those millions of, of, of little triangles to make those rocks um you can see the worlds we're going to be able to explore and and I think that just makes it it was an incredible demo for me to 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 witness. Uh, just because I was actually finally seeing something and it, it did look so different it was such a step up um, and it's re- it's really exciting.
0: And to what uh, Brian was saying about the the deficit between this and the Cerny presentation one of my favorite things and I think one of the things we all loved from that presentation was the talk about 3d spatial audio. And here they're like, well, here's how a similar type of thing will work. And here they were showing how the sound of the rocks would change as it goes through the cavern. It's like, mean
3: like demonstrating it.
0: Yeah. Like a demo, Weird, right? I know. Crazy. Uh, yeah. Max, what did you, what did you think of the demo? As uh, a whole?
3: So I was actually thinking about it, the first thing I did after I put this on was I went back and watched a few of uh, Epic's previous unreal demos and they always do these either to unveil a new engine or just to kind of be like, Hey, here's what we've been tinkering away at. Uh, I remember they did one for almost, almost 10 years ago for unreal three, which was called the Samaritan. And it was this like gritty, gorgeous, beautiful cyberpunk trailer of like some, you know, again, some character from a game that will never exist. Just a a tech demo person. Um, And it was like, that was showing off a lot of like, you know, various rendering technologies and and effects. And then for unreal four, they had one that was like this, this big, like, like magma golem man coming up out of his throne in a volcano. And it was showing off all this stuff, you know, lighting and physics. I mean, it's a, like they always show off. But what's incredible is that these, these always look way too good to be true when they first come out. And frequently they are like, you know, maybe they, they fudge the details a little bit or at least they refine them a certain amount. And it's like, this is, you know, a demo running on an incredibly high-end rig and it probably won't actually look like this for quite a while. But uh in hindsight, it's kind of crazy how far everything has kind of quietly come and stuff we're used to seeing now does actually look up to par with the previous tech demos, which is, you know, that's how video game stuff works um, what's interesting about this though is how forward facing it seems um, we don't always get allowed to everything at GDC but I can't recall hearing about having hands-on tech demos there uh, maybe like behind closed doors but this just looking at the fact that they had uh, a user interface in here to be like hey this is these are button commands to let you inspect elements around you uh, it feels it feels very much like a more like a more tactile um, approach to get people familiar with what the technology can do and it kind of making it accessible through through sort of engaging with it as opposed to just being like, here's a trailer for what our what our our engine can do. Um and I mean Unreal's been they've opened that up a lot. Like it used to be that was you needed to buy a license for it. And you know, a couple of years back they were like, no, just download it. And if you want to publish a game, uh, you don't have to start paying us until you start selling a certain amount. Right. So I don't know, this is, I, I feel like it's very possible that they actually drop this on PS5 at some point and let people poke around with it.
2: That would um, be really cool. I mean, I think what I really dug about this and I think what makes this a very clear case where this is how you sort of debut tech um, is what you said, Max, about it sort of like it feeling like a console game. Like it, it seemed like it wasn't just You know, you didn't see a bunch of sort of debug nonsense pop up everywhere. It felt like this cohesive thing that you could ostensibly launch on your PS5. Uh, The thing I appreciated even more was it doesn't, you know, we just talked about Sony's stable of iconic characters. Uh, It didn't have anything like that. Because I think by doing that, you set expectations of what something will be and then inevitably let down the audience. Uh, I was at the E3 where I got to go hands-on with the Wii U for the very first time. And they had a tech demo for a like realistic Legend of Zelda game where Link walked into a room and went head-to-head with a gigantic spider. And it was one of the most gorgeous things I've ever seen, and it never came out doesn't exist. Uh, Nintendo also did similar things in the past with stuff like um, there was a like a 3D Sonic game running on the DS to let you show the touch screen uh, where you could rev it. Uh, there was something called 100 Marios, I believe, for the GameCube that just showed, which I believe eventually went on to become Pikmin. Um, and every single time, people have spent the entire console generation being like, where's the realistic Zelda? Where's 100 Marios? Where's Why, why can't I touch Sonic and make him go fast with his <laughs> legs? Um, and so Uh, I think what's cool about this and what Cerny should have done is it's sort of generic, right? Like it doesn't really set up the expectations that this is the next-gen Tomb Raider. This is the next Uncharted. But looking at it, your brain can go, okay, take that character out and put in Nathan Drake. And I have an idea of what Uncharted 5 looks like.
1: But totally, and I think that's why, you know, there there were a lot of like video game cliches in there that we've seen before. You know, like Altano in in the chat, you were mentioning... You know squeezing through a tiny little space in, in the rocks and you know like grabbing onto the cliff and and yep. <laughs> and levering yourself up like we've seen all that stuff before it's like really familiar action adventure um going through the motions right but i love that i, I love that they did it that way because immediately you, it's exactly as you say you can put yourself you can see nathan drake you can see lara croft doing those things in this brand new gorgeous space and i just mm-hmm. think that's really clever
2: yeah really, what surprised I'm, me about that was that we've seen the the sort of like t- funneling through the crevice is uh been used to mask loading for the longest time and it's like that's you know it's not that's not revealing a magician's secret or anything like that but that's the way it's been for this entire generation and and prior uh and so I was kind of like do we have to do we have to do that again for like another <laughs> 7 years
0: <laughs>
3: um what really fascinated me is just i just how like completely transparent this felt this felt so much less like like I, the previous versions of these felt a lot like a trailer for, um, for technology. Like it's the kind of thing that a, a company uses to unveil like a graphics card. And it, you know, it always has that sort of vaguely generic feel to it. But in this case, uh, you know, they were just talking over it being like, Oh, so one of the cool things is now uh, cinematic level assets can be used in a game without having to optimize them for, for a console or, um, you know, the tech, the hardware you have at hand, which is, first of all, it's kind of crazy that we, we think so much of unreal as being a, video game engine but they're using it to they're using it in hollywood all the time Like that's what they're using to make environments in uh in mandalorian um which is which is kind of kind of wild to think about um the other thing that kind of blew my mind is uh paragon the sort of failed moba that epic kind of pulled the plug on uh they took all those assets for that game which were you know gorgeous and impressive and just kind of like i think they just dumped them out there and they were like you want to make something with these go for it play around with them get used to it oh yeah Uh, and you kind of pair that with the fact that they have uh they've gotten an entire generation really comfortable building things in a virtual space with Fortnite. And it's it's gonna be And Minecraft. S- well, yeah, I mean, but they you know Epic right. specifically. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, it's epic. Yeah. Um, so you've got you know, you've got a generation of of kids who are running around in an epic game, you know, comfortable with with constructing things in that space. It's gonna be be kind of nuts if they were like, Hey, here's our version of dreams, like here's our, you know, here's our you know, creative tool set for a uh, like for a consumer consumer level entry point, as opposed to just the Unreal Engine, which you can jump into and start fooling around with. But I don't know this this whole thing was just I, I thought it was really exciting. Like it felt it it gave it gave us kind of something to chew on. It wasn't it wasn't just selling sizzle, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. in comparison to the Series X event, which had some really cool looking games at it, but they were such sizzle trailers designed to give you the like top level view of a thing and not really give you a moment to think about what you were seeing. This was like hey we're just going to live in this moment for 6 minutes and show you what this tech is supposed to be able to do. And I love that.
2: Yeah, I guess it's the trade-off of like would you rather see um sort of, you know, cinematic trailers for games that are confirmed to be in development or a sort of tech demo that's playable hypothetically but for a game that's not Actually, a game. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you guys. I think that like this is there's an entire generation of people that grew up playing video games and uh, exerting most of their creativity into those things. You know, like whereas older generations might have you know sketchbooks and Lego and stuff like that. I think a lot of people grew up making assets and building and customizing stuff and um you know this is still we are still talking about a walled garden when it comes to publishing on playstation um it's not as sort of wild west as it is on pc so ultimately you still have to funnel through the sort of same checklist to get a game published on playstation 5 but i do hope that stuff like this is lowering the sort of barrier to entry and getting budding indie developers or even just kids you know Keep bedroom DJs basically uh, coming up with ways to create games that could then make their way to the PlayStation and bolster that library.
0: Yeah, and seeing what we have with um, Shuhei's new position at the company, as well as Sony hiring Greg Rice, uh, who was previously at Double Fine, and just sort of this overall what seems to be initiative toward more indie development once again, which was so important at the beginning of the PS4, and something like Dreams, which democratizes it in such a way. Yeah, I'm really hoping that we see you know, the the DualSense has that create button. Um, and I think it's all easy enough to assume, oh, to create clips or gameplay things, but maybe there's more to it. and Maybe we're going to see more democratization of gameplay stuff as we go on. Um, I, I do want to move on though, because we do have a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, and while we did talk about sort of this generation growing up with that stuff, uh, we also have a generation that grew up with a little franchise known as Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And good news for that generation... We're going back
1: <laughs> to the <half-pipe. laughs> Oh, yeah!
0: Yeah! Uh, so if you didn't see the news, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, a very long title that Activision loves to give me for all of its remakes, which makes it so hard to write news stories about is coming to PS4, PC, and Xbox One on September 4th. This year, uh, I believe it's right now priced for $39.99, so a bit more of like a budget title, but it's a compilation that is featuring Tony Hawk's 1 and 2, all the levels, all the skaters, all the things you would expect from it. Most of the soundtrack, uh, I spoke with Vicarious Vision's uh, studio head, Jen O'Neill, and she told us all the hits you would pretty much expect are there. They couldn't get a couple of songs just because of the nature of music music licensing. But for the most part, that soundtrack you remember is there. Um, But in terms of like what this game is, it's not just those old games with a like the Polygon slightly better looking. It is a like full texture uh, asset, new development thing from Vicarious Visions, who did a lot of work on the handheld Tony Hawk games. Um, they, they had the Neversoft handling code for how skateboarding worked, but they essentially built everything on top of that fresh and new. So it's a pretty, pretty robust new compilation of these two. And I know, uh, Lucy, you're particularly excited.
1: <laughs> well, I grew up, you know, Tony Hawk... I've told this on on the on the show before, but Tony Hawk was uh, one of the, my first sort of social video games. It was like rock band. My first kind of ever experienced like playing with friends in my living room and stuff like that. Um, and I loved it. And it was very important to me as a teenager. And in fact, I did tweet out today that uh, my high school boyfriend, uh, we, you know, we would like people would come around to my house cause I had a copy of the game and we'd all play it together and like secretly drink you know wine from our water bottles or whatever um and i beat him several times i beat him at tony hawk cuz i had the game so i would just practice by myself and just like get really good I got so good at that warehouse level like in particular i was just the the, the king of that level and i remember he was kind of like a little bit like he was a bit about it you know and then shortly afterwards uh he Called me up and he broke up with me, and he couldn't give me a good reason why. So to this day, I maintain that it was because I beat him at Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, but in reality, it was probably because I, I never wanted to kiss him because I was a big closet homo. Um, that <laughs> you know, I I go with
0: a more convenient story. Of course. Uh, so, Lucy's ex, if you're out there <laughs> listening and you'd like to set the story straight from your side, please write into IGN.com. I don't think
2: um, you're going to set that story straight. No,
0: definitely not. <laughs> it's uh, nothing straight about that story. <laughs> thank you, thank you for picking up on that. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm personally super excited. I I loved this franchise. Uh, three was actually my first Tony Hawk, but I went back and played one and two. Um, And obviously this franchise became so beloved because of how great these first couple were. what do you guys think of how the remake remasters look?
2: They look amazing. So good. They're they're gorgeous. And it's also, I was reading that they're doing a lot of stuff under the hood to sort of um, bring a lot of the kind of like physics and, and other sort of gameplay uh, uh, things that we had been known to be accustomed to in the later ones and sort of, equalize them uh, and I really dig that I have a feeling that's going to work really well and it's not going to sort of break them I, I mean there's a little like kind of wonky rickety stuff in the, in the first game and second game a little bit that I think that they kind of flatten out it's going to be awesome um, the music thing is interesting I'm interested to see which, which songs don't make it but this is sort of to be expected. I imagine at the time, a bunch of bands were like, $100,
1: yeah, sign me up.
2: <laughs> and now they're like, oh no, we want a lot more than that. And they were like, no thanks.
1: Well, they were like, we don't like
2: video games.
1: <laughs> well, especially because that game kind of launched a lot of those bands. I mean, you know, not the Dead Kennedys, but like a lot of, you know, who'd heard of Goldfinger before Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, you right. know? So I think, it, you know, that game helps launch a lot of those kind of pop punk bands into the stratosphere.
3: I've actually been I've been dying to play a new a new skateboard game. I feel like there's like a really there's a real demand for that right now. There's a couple of games. There's uh Skater XL and there's Session. Uh, and everyone's Skatebird. Oh yeah, Skatebird, which the with the bird who skates. Um, <laughs> and like everyone's I feel like everyone's just everyone's mad at EA in general all the time anyway. But ever, I feel like everyone's like especially pissy about them. Not it's like, where the where is skate for, you cowards? Other people are making skateboard games. Get on that. And uh like I've been messing around playing Skate Three on on Xbox One on the 360 version just just because I want to do skate stuff and <laughs> I don't know this is, this is I'm excited about this it'll be fun also like I love that we're accustomed to looking at like HD remakes remasters for the most part of stuff that's really stylized and kind of like low poly um, like Crash Bandicoot you take him from like a, a PS1 game to a PS4 game and it's like, kind of it's it looks he looks good but he looks really kind of the same. Uh, in this case, they're like, hey, here's like actual Tony Hawk. Here's like a human man who we put inside the video game now. Like, you can you can see his shoelaces. It's like, it's just crazy. It my I did
2: think it was weird that they did the same thing with Crash where they just covered him in like high res orange hair and then took <laughs> off all of his clothes except for his jean shorts.
3: But I maintain that
2: it's pretty punk if you think about it.
3: Crash Bandicoot, I maintain, will be it would be a secret skater in this game. I think that he's going to pop up in there because they already got the assets laying around. Oh yeah, you know, a good idea. yeah, it's the same yeah.
0: studio. So yeah, yeah.
1: You know, we were talking about this the other day when we were putting together our updated list of best PlayStation One games of all time, and we were chatting about um, the sort of the fact that Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and Mortal Kombat Three um, both transcend it. They're sort of more niche genres which were you know a skateboarding game and a fighting game um because everyone played those no matter no matter like, I didn't play fighting games but I played the hell out of Tekken 3 yeah and I I you know I wasn't really into kind of I was more into action adventure and platformers back then I I wasn't really into like the 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 idea of a skateboarding game until Tony Hawk's came along and immediately I was totally hooked and it was like I just feel like those two games in particular in the PlayStation library just transcended their genres and, and sort of spoke to an entire generation of gamers. I don't really know anyone who owned a PlayStation 1 and didn't play the hell out of Tony Hawk's.
2: Yeah, I think they shared the same sort of mantra, which is like kind of easy to approach and very hard to master. I mean, those things have very, very high ceilings in terms of skill set. You could mess around in the Tony Hawk warehouse for hours and not really try to achieve much, or you could go for like the highest score in the world um, and I remember watching like expert runs of people back when it was like really even hard to do that, you know, cause it'd be like 30 second WMV clips uploaded to IGN 64 or whatever it was <laughs> way back in the day. Um, and then like even over the last few years like there's there's been a, a huge boom in those games I think probably for what Max mentioned earlier the sort of lack of new skate games and, uh, and also the the fact that this is a franchise that was synonymous with quality for a very long time even right down to what you mentioned Jonathan the handheld ones I adored those like they're so when, good yeah when that game came to the GBA and it had that sort of top down three-fourths view that was like one of the most impressive handheld games I ever played uh, but they're also like this is a series that's so totally fell off the rails no pun intended and you know they put out a bunch of wacky peripherals and they did uh downhill jam and ride and um even like the last one was it 5? I don't remember the name of it. 6? Yeah,
0: there was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5 in 2015 I think it yeah, was.
2: Yeah. which was just like straight up not great and yeah. so this is revisiting uh some of the best in the franchise if not the best in the franchise and bring them up to modern standards. I, I saw like Um, An incredible amount of people overwhelmed with joy on social media today. Just like, this is the best possible news for people that grew up with these games.
0: Yeah, and the the studio choice, I think, really speaks to that. Because Vicarious wasn't really doing the stuff toward the later end of the franchise that kind of fell off, but they were so connected to those really, really great GBA versions. Um, I think they did the first DS one, which was Skateland, which was w- Wasteland on consoles wasn't like super beloved, but Skateland was really good. Um, and they they have such a great pedigree with both the series and making a remake. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see what they do. I, I did want to ask you all because I've gotten a lot of questions about it and I've seen a lot of chatter about it. Uh, Remake versus remaster. Um, So, uh, Activision is calling this a remaster. We on IGN opted to call it a remake. Um, And the reasoning I've been giving is pretty much, yes, they are using some of the original handling code, but this isn't like they're taking the visuals of that game and painting over them bit by bit. Like they fully from the ground up redid all of these assets, redid the environments, the characters. Like this was a very intensive remaking of things that they didn't Mm -hmm.
3: have. I I mean, they already already did a remaster with with Tony Hawk HD, which was like a totally half-baked one.
1: Yeah and I feel like honestly from a from a marketing standpoint calling them a remaster sort of doing them a disservice really because you know these look as much like a remake as to me as the Resident Evil uh the recent Resident Evil remakes do. Uh right. remaster definitely suggests in this day and age um like an updated lick of paint, you know what I mean? Like you take mm-hmm. your car into the shop and like it gets new bits on it but essentially the 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 structure is the same. Whereas this feels a lot more like, okay, this is, you know, these are the levels and the, the skaters and the the songs that you remember, but like entirely brought to the current gen.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm totally with you guys. I think that's a, that's, we, we sort of need to nail down collectively as a, <laughs> as a planet, what those, what, what those words mean. Um, because they, they it's not really, there's no continuity across that. If you look at Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, that is above and beyond something like even uh the shadow of the colossus remaster you know obviously like that felt like you were saying lucy like sort of has the same skeletal frame they put new meat on top (laughs) maybe some new clothes (laughs) um but this this looks like it's it's being completely rebuilt um and i'm i'm all for that did did this team work on the crash team racing remake
0: Well, uh, they worked in uh, collaboration. Binox worked on that primarily, but they were the team who did the original Insane Trilogy. Uh, Vicarious did that. Right,
2: right. Yeah, Yeah, because the 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 CTR thing, um, I was mentioning this on uh, News Games and More yesterday. A a thing I really dug about the presentation of that, it was sort of the bells and whistles. All the stuff they added in the periphery that was, you know, you're going through a tunnel and they're like, well, imagine if there was a ledge over here that had like five or six characters on it interacting. And we we created an entire like, Subnarrative of like bats in the corner of this and they mean nothing they're not playable they are not power-ups they add sort of nothing to the actual gameplay but they create in, in the same way that like the difference between waiting in line for a ride at six flags great america and disneyland is disneyland has all these animatronics and storytelling and there's all this sort of eccentric stuff happening and then like i remember going to maybe this because this was in new jersey but waiting to get on like batman the ride in New Jersey was just like they had like a framed picture of the Joker and like half of a cave wall, and you're like, you guys kind of half ass the story here. So <laughs> I really hope that they do a lot of cool stuff here. Um,
1: with, I love with the sort you, of random levels. I love that analogy so much. I love that you brought it. To <laughs> theme parks. I have also been to a myriad half-baked theme parks. So yeah, I
2: love it. <laughs> yeah, and, and then you, it's like it, when you're you're gonna you're waiting in a line a long line in the heat, no matter where you go, and so you might as well make it entertaining for people. You know, like Max and I went to, what was it? What's the the terrible theme park you and I went to, Max? Great
3: America. Great America, yeah. (laughs)
2: And so Great America used to have a bunch of licenses and then slowly lost them all. And they had like a Top Gun ride that they lost the license to. And it just became like, it's called like Air Fight. And it's just like you get in a fake fighter jet roller coaster. And they don't even, they don't care at all do not They don't, they don't
3: try. Like, I love it because like they used to have Top Gun running on like on repeat, you know, on like TVs everywhere. And it would have like pictures of, you know, all the Top Gun stuff. And they just took it down and they just turned the TVs off. So there's just yeah. these TVs with like nothing on them.
1: So it's yeah. like this, it's like oh, this man. supermarket brand of theme parks. mm mm-hmm. And so I don't know
2: what you do with, like, you know, Tony Hawk's warehouse, but, like, if there's a crack in the corner of a wall and a rat runs out every hour, that's (laughs) cool. Like, I mean, that's more graffiti, more stickers, more just, like, bells and whistles, you know?
3: I'm I'm torn between being, like, you know, maybe Activision uh, should make new games and maybe we should get excited about new ideas instead of, like, you know, curling up into that cozy, warm, you know, particle blanket of nostalgia. But flip side, it's nice to see them pouring this much money and attention into something that we all you know, honestly get kind of happy seeing. Like, it's it's kind of cool to get something, get this degree of, of like, retouching and fine-tuning. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I think,
2: oh, sorry. I, go I was going to say, Max, I, I worry about your childhood if you're nostalgic for <laughs> particle blankets.
3: <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what's not particle? Like, you know, like one of those really fluffy ones that they have at hotels and hospitals. You know what I'm talking those about? Those are good. I was oh, like, what no. are they? I, my, my ex called them heroin blankets because, like, that's their... <laughs> I don't know. She had sick roommates or something.
2: Cause particle blankets is like what people sell things on when they're trying to buy drugs.
3: Is that, that's just like those gray ones that you move furniture in. Yeah. Okay. I meant like a polar fleece, like a really <laughs> fuzzy one, you know, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, okay. uh, anyway, Tony Hawk's pro skater one and two is coming out September 4th, 2020. Yeah, me too. Um, it's, uh, sort of to that point, though, um, yeah, I do feel that, like, uh, push and pull between wanting something new and wanting, like, this nostalgia that feels so wonderful and it's something familiar. Um, I will say, like, to me, the Crash and Spyro remakes very much felt like them setting the stage for those characters to come back with new games. So my guess is if this is a success uh, beyond maybe remaking three and four, they'll probably start to do new ones, too. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, moving on from that, I also want to mention if you're super into the history of theme parks, watch Defunctland on YouTube. It's so
1: good. It's so so good.
0: Uh, That series is great. But uh, speaking of other licenses that people occasionally get or lose, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is coming back. In Predator Hunting Grounds, um, announced on the PlayStation blog today as we're recording, uh, there will be free and paid DLC coming over the next few months for Hunting Grounds. The first one, which arrives on May 26th, the paid DLC will see Arnold Schwarzenegger's Dutch from the original movie added to the game. Um, In the lead up to that, there will also be, uh, or, or maybe that day as well, there are free audio tapes essentially that were recorded by Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, as his character explaining where he's been since the original movie if you want <laughs> wow oh,
1: that's amazing that's, that's that is amazing have you they... guys have you guys ever interviewed Arnold Annie, no I interviewed him once and I tell you what I thought I was going to be so nervous but you know when you gr- grow up with someone that is so ubiquitous in your life like the voice of i don't know like morgan freeman for example like you just hear you know that voice you know that like person but when i stepped into that room i was just like oh it's like dad (laughs) you know what i mean because he's just like he's such a familiar human to us all that it was there was no nerves he was it was just a very like familiar warm energy well, he was
2: he was governor, so I mean, I think he has to know how to sort of like shake hands and kiss babies and be a nice guy and stuff like that. So,
0: yeah.
2: um, was it was it the most recent Predator what the Predator?
0: Yes, yeah.
2: Um, were they don't they reference they reference the Arnold Schwarzenegger Jungle stuff, so that's still technically I don't know how canon this this game is I
3: look I said mm-hmm. this uh, last week or the week before or whatever but Predator's Predator's always been pretty stupid. It's always been pretty dumb. And it it's it I feel like it is it is doing it a great a great service to be like what is the lore of Predator? And it's <laughs> like the lore is Van Damme quit and the costume was weird looking so they did it over again. Like yeah. it's I don't know. I I would love to dig into that and find out what's going on over. There, there was a big outrage because they made the Predator and the women in this one too sexy. And in the in the comics, they're actually huge and scary, I think, or something.
0: Yeah. What a franchise. Um, but yeah, it, it's very cool that they got him to come back uh, to record for that. So that'll be coming out uh, later on. And then there will, of course, be uh, subsequent DLC, but they haven't detailed what exactly that'll be. Um, another PS4 exclusive update, PSVR this time. Uh, Marvel's Iron Man VR, after getting delayed alongside The Last of Us, did finally get a new release date. It's coming out July 3rd. Um, so if you have, uh, July 4th plans in America that were canceled because of shelter in place, why not stay in and play Iron Man?
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I'm rockets really for
2: your hands without going to the hospital.
0: Exactly. The fireworks can be on your screen. Um, I'm really excited for this one. I think it'll be a, a really cool experience from what we've seen so far. Um, and I, I do appreciate that this wasn't sort of delayed into oblivion a year from now. Yeah. Um, so that, that should be a a really fun one to see, um, come up. But other than that, uh, we're running a little short on time, so I don't want to spend too much time on anything else. Um, other than just to say, if you haven't noticed, uh, if you haven't noticed, my girlfriend is shooting rubber bands at me in the background, but if you also (laughs) haven't noticed, um, E3 since it's dead has now decided to exist as a three month celebration of games uh since we've been recording the last week or two several big things have been announced in addition to IGN summer of gaming plug stay tuned for more uh ea play is going all digital ubisoft announced a ub forward event in july um inside xbox is obviously doing its monthly thing Uh, i want to ask basically uh how do you guys all feel about this sort of spread out of all these events because we used to joke like e3 is becoming longer and longer every year now it kind of is
1: i think it makes sense for the publishers but as a consumer it's a lot <laughs> you know but like you know also it's a it's a lot of people are sort of finding their feet because it's the first year that everyone has had to kind of go digital like there's not been the option of e3 yeah. So I think that hopefully, you know, if if this does go forward and we we move forward into a sort of E3 list future um, where everything is digital, um I'd like to see it a bit more streamlined than what it is right now because it just feels like chaotic energy right now.
2: It's definitely scattered, and I think that's the biggest downfall of it. Uh but on the flip side, there's sort of a benefit to that in that it sort of feels like, you know, like a page a day calendar or like one of those what are those those advent calendar things like it's just like it feels like every single morning you wake up and someone's like great news uh we're doing 30 minutes on ghost of tsushima tomorrow and you're like cool i didn't know that was a thing whereas that used to all get smushed together in two or three days and by the fourth or fifth or eighth or ninth day of e3 you were sort of not necessarily fatigued by it all Mm -hmm. but it all sort of just melted together in your brain no You had to come out of a week having memorized 200 game titles and now you know you have a little bit more time to study
3: yeah it was like that part in bad santa where he comes home drunk and eats all the chocolate in the advent calendar and then yeah. he has to like replace it with aspirins um mm-hmm. yeah i think that's a really good way of, of looking at it brian it is honestly like it it is nice to have like little things to look forward to like little just little tidbits of announcements like i don't know i don't i don't know what day it is most days is it like weekend or not weekend day and then to have something where it's like a little like a little sort of like hey on Friday, this is happening, or hey, next Tuesday, we're doing this It's like, great, let's, it gives us something to talk about. It's something to look forward to. It's just a little, you know, it's nice.
2: No, I was always jealous of like my Hanukkah friends growing up because I was like, (laughs) you guys get eight small Christmases in a row. And they're like, well, it's a little more involved than that. And I was like, I don't understand anything. Let me just keep harping on this. (laughs) Um,
0: the, but now it feels like we get that for three months. The, I, the best was when Christmas overlapped with Hanukkah because I was raised in a Catholic Jewish household. So oh. you would get like a string of a, a few days of smaller presents, one big day in the middle, and then like a few, like a denouement of presents. Yep. Oh, yep. sweet.
1: You you like yeah. you know, in terms of the holidays, you, you hit the jackpot as a kid. Oh, it, it was wonderful, yeah.
0: Except for those months where it was like, or, or those years where my parents were like, hey, you know, it's a little tougher this year. So Hanukkah, you get this CD. And then mm-hmm. we'll get back to you on Christmas.
2: But um yeah. I, I will say uh in terms of this being uh hypothetically a launch year for new consoles, I I I will say that I am sort of missing that oomph of having like the big press conference from Sony and the big press conference from uh Microsoft sort of showing like, this is next gen, it's here, like all in a consolidated hour. It seems like uh, both of those uh, teams are gonna be sort of sprinkling things out throughout the year. Microsoft said as much uh, by basically saying they're gonna be doing monthly check-ins. Um, Sony, it seems like they're like, here's a logo. Here's the controller. And so you don't really know what you're gonna get. So uh, I, I do hope there is this sort of like ion cannon blast at one point where Sony just goes, here's everything PlayStation. Uh, But until then, uh, you know, I will take a few small, exciting uh, announcements every single week.
0: Yeah, it's a really nice way, I think, too, for us to let some of those smaller games that would be overshadowed by the big first-party stuff to have a day or even a few days to breathe, which is really nice. Um, And speaking of that, from the Xbox event, I did want to follow up just to say we did learn about a few more PS5 games, even though we don't know any first-party. In addition to Assassin's Creed Valhalla from the week before, we learned Dirt 5, Scarlet Nexus, Chorus, vampire the masquerade bloodlines 2 and destiny 2 are all going to be coming to ps5 um so i don't know you
3: guys i'm excited about destiny 2 i can't wait to find out what happens next to those characters
0: we just become an alternate fire team chat in the PS5 <sighs> era. <laughs> um, no, I mean it's exciting to see the the lineups sort of begin to take shape and coalesce. It it is weird still having this sort of like we talked about the Epic Unreal Engine stuff earlier. Like we're getting all these PS5 details not from Sony right now, oh, oh. yeah, um, and, and their like guiding voice doesn't really feel like part of the next gen discussion yet.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I mean we kind of. Anticipated this would happen um, uh, because you can't launch a console without third, third party support and third parties aren't really inclined to make exclusive games for each platform right now because of rising, you know, uh, game development costs. And so, yeah, we found out a bunch about a bunch of PlayStation games, but PlayStation wasn't really owning that conversation. Um, but then again, I don't really know if that was the best look for Microsoft either, because we found out about a bunch of those games through sort of cinematic trailers. And the likes to dislike ratio was pretty split on that. And you had Aaron Greenberg being like, you know, we, we saw your response and we're going back and talking to the team and we, you know, we're growing and evolving. And so, uh, yeah, this has been a weird ass year because no one really knows there's no like great way to message things. And I still think that Sony has been quiet and we've been giving them hell for that, but they're going to speak up and they're going to blow everybody out of the water like they always do. And so, uh, I don't know. It, sh- it should be an awesome year for next gen, um, and I, I, I really can't wait to see all of this stuff sort of actually coalesce and, and so we know when these things are coming out and what they're going to cost and everything.
1: I, I totally agree. I think that's a really succinct way to put it. I just want to add, like, you know, what the people want. It turns out after that Xbox um, presentation is people want to see gameplay. Yeah, they want gameplay. We want more tech demos. We want like tangible gameplay if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um you know people were gutted about the cinematic trailers because we've seen cinematics we know what cinematics look like we want to see what the next generation of gameplay looks like and you know the more of that the better it doesn't have to be flashy we just we just want our eyes and you know eventually hands all over it
2: yeah you don't need a new console to watch a trailer You know, you can, you can do it on your phone. Like it's, it's not necessary. And so, yeah, I'm with you. People, people want to see how they're actually going to be exploring these worlds, interacting with them, blowing them up, shooting them, kissing them, whatever you do in your video games, (laughs) they want to see that happen. And we didn't get a lot of that yet. So uh, I hope Sony takes note um, and they let us actually see how we're going to be interacting with these things because cinematic trailers are not going to cut it this year.
0: Yeah, it definitely, I don't think that was the best opening salvo. And I saw a few people talking about it. I think had that been a Sony show, I would feel exactly the same way that that wasn't the first best foot to go on when showing us what next gen could be as cool as some of those games look, because at the end of the day, they look like trailers we've seen before. Yep. Um, And that only goes so far when you're trying to convince us to buy hundreds of dollars worth of new equipment. Um, that pretty much wraps all of that up. I want to jump into very quickly memory card. Uh, thank you to everyone who's been writing these in and who bumped up a few in my inbox. Uh, if you'd like to have your memory card story Uh, read on the show please write into beyond at ign.com with the subject line memory card and every week we'll try to read funny sad happy weird whatever memories of your gaming life uh right here on the show this week's comes from nigel who wrote in and nigel said when my sister and i were kids our bank issued shares to everyone who banked with them i won't pretend to know why My parents took us to the bank to sell the shares back and allowed us to use the money to buy games consoles. Both of us chose an original PlayStation. We got one each. However, my sister always wanted to play my games on my console so I could talk her through completing them. After a few months of this, I got fed up uh, as I was a selfish child who wanted to play my own games. She saw me playing Resident Evil 1 one day and asked if she could play it. Reluctantly, I agreed and started the game fresh and handed her the controller. As has been routine at that point, I had to stick around and talk her through the game. So I guided her through the dining room and she killed her first zombie. I then took her to the other side of the main hall and told her she could run down the corridor. No problem. And she didn't have to worry about anything. Of course, the dogs jumped through the window. This prompted my sister to scream and throw my controller. Cue fits of laughter from me and my sister declaring that she never wanted to play games with me again. Although she broke the controller she was using through the sheer force uh, of her throw, I considered it a price worth paying to be able to finally enjoy my games in peace. Um, Lord! Yep. So, thank you to Nigel for writing about that. That Um, is
1: very good.
3: That is very good.
2: Shout out to that bank just giving out money to children. Like, what is going on? i
3: wonder they're still around (laughs) right i doubt it yeah bank (laughs)
0: um anyway thank you nigel uh, for writing in with that story if you want to write in with your own memory card again please write in to beyond at ign.com we're also going to read uh, that one thing very quickly which is another recent segment we've done uh that one thing is about the you know gameplay moment or the music or the cutscene, whatever it may be in a game that one thing that really made this game stick with you for as long as since you first played it Uh, And this week's comes from Jack the Lion, who wrote in and said, there was a moment early on in Infamous Second Son where the main character comments on gull crap. My wife, who is a Seattle native, overheard this and rolled her eyes and said she had never heard anyone refer to a seagull as a gull in her life. I have no idea if my wife just is out of the loop uh, or if the game manufactured this nickname, but that really stuck with me, Um, which I thought was really funny. And I wanted to bring that up because Infamous Second Son, of course, is made by Sucker Punch, who is native to the Seattle area. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so what do, what does seattleans call seagulls
0: they didn't uh didn't tell us so if you're listening to this episode jack the lion write in and tell us uh what your wife says seagulls are call, uh, called in seattle uh and we'll we'll fill in the audience next week's show i
3: think they call them water falcons up there yeah. <laughs> That's That's a a really name name. it's a really good good nickname yeah, water, yeah
0: the water like falcon that. water falcons um brian are you searching
3: yeah.
1: Did you just make that up, Max? Because I
3: oh yeah, completely. That's a load of shit. Are you me?
1: <laughs> well, I'm so gullible because I'm not from here. I'm like
0: eh? gullible.
1: My my girlfriend was telling me she went she visited Idaho once and like they they call coyotes coyotes in Idaho. Mm-hmm. And when she went back to Sydney, she was calling them coyotes because she thought that's how you know you meant to say. <laughs> People were like, what? <laughs> oh, uh, I enjoy I enjoy mocking her about that. What Ooh, have you boy. found out, Brian?
2: No, I found out something I didn't want to find out, which is the Urban Dictionary uh, <sighs> definitions of seagulls, which among British schoolboys, whereby they... Don't worry about it. All right, it. we're going to... What we're are you doing? It's the on the way- I show. didn't write...
0: The- <laughs> <laughs> it's on the internet. It must be true. <laughs> um well that's gonna about wrap us up for this playstation focused episode of podcast beyond uh thank you all so much for listening and are watching remember beyond is live every wednesday roughly around 3 p.m pacific depending on you know how our internets are doing but otherwise you can find us on ign.com youtube.com slash ign and youtube.com slash ign beyond we're all of course on twitter i am at jam lucy is at luso brian brian is at agent bizzle and max is at max scoville uh thank you all for joining me for this episode and thank you to red our Producer. Uh, and thank you again to all of you at home listening or watching. We hope you're safe. We hope you're well. And as always, beyond. Beyond. Beyond.
2: beyond.